So Leviticus chapter 4, verse number 1, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning these things, which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them. And it says, If the priest is anointed to sin according to the sin of the people, then it goes on to say, bring the bullock and bring the, the sacrifice, and so forth. And if you skip down to verse number 13, it says, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing is hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against the commandments of the Lord concerning the things which should not be done and are guilty. When the, sin, when the sin they have sinned against is known, the congregation shall offer a bullet for sin and bring before the tabernacle the congregation. And then verse 21 says it is a sin offering for the congregation. Verse 22, when a ruler has sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against the commandments. And then verse 27, and if one of the common people sin through ignorance and it is repeated, and the sacrifice is somewhat the same, the, the, the ritual is somewhat the same, but the gist of uh, chapter number four is that there is purification for the sins of ignorance. Now, in chapter number five, it says, and if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness whether he has seen it or no. If he has done utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of unclean cattle or a carcass of unclean creeping things, and if it be hidden from him, he shall also be unclean. Or if he touch the uncleanliness of man, whatsoever uncleanliness it be in the man, shall be defiled with all, shall be hid from him when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a soul swear pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, it shall be hid from him. When he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be when he be guilty of one of these things, he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. So here is a, um, a, an offering for sin, for the sins of carelessness. These are sins that they did, but because they just weren't thinking about what they should have been doing or, or not considering the gravity of the situation or a spur-of-the-moment type situation, but they rashly sinning, they, they still sinned against God. So you have sins of ignorance, sins of carelessness. Um, in verse number 15, it says, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things, he shall bring his trespass unto the Lord. So here is a situation where someone is sinning in ignorance in the worship of God. Verse 17, And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done through the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. So here in the holy things of God, that he has done something in the worship of God that was a sin and he, had, he didn't even know it was a sin. Well, here's an offering for that. Chapter 6, verse number 2. If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him, or in fellowship 
When a thing taken away by violence, or hath deceived his neighbor, or found that which was lost, and he lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely in any of these things that a man doeth, sinning therein, then it shall be because he hath sinned in the guilty that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, that which was delivered unto him, the lost thing which be found. In verse number five, it talks about being swearing falsely, he shall restore the principle and add the fifth part to it. And then he shall make the trespass offering. So here we have sins that are committed that were knowingly sins and not only sinned against God, but sinned against neighbor and took away that which he has lost. So you have an offering for these sins in the community of the believers plus the reparations. So that's how I want to divide the message tonight. Sins of ignorance, um, purification for sins of ignorance. And then you have reparation offerings and the sins of carelessness. And then you have the uh, sins in the community and reparation offerings for those. Um, in that, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2004, the Federalist Society did a study and John Baker looked at the Department of Justice and the ABA reports for criminal laws and counted the federal crimes that you commit. So he counted all the federal laws which we have on the books. And in 2004, um, there were 4,000 federal crimes. No, well, I'm sorry, that was 2,000. There were 4,000 federal crimes. They counted again in 2007, and there was 4,450 federal crimes. And the rate has increased every year, that every year there are more laws put on the books. And they haven't counted, or at least I couldn't find where they had counted since then, but at the rate it was going, we may be close to or over 5,000 federal laws. Um, on the books. So for the past 25 years, he said, over uh, there has been um, tw- 500 new crimes per decade is the pace uh, since then. So that's 5,000 laws that are on the federal books that you may or may not be committing. We, we might all be felons tonight and not even know it because of all the, the laws and the crimes that are put on the books. And this just assumes that you could know all these laws, and even if you did know of, to be able to understand them. For example, um, here's, a, here's one of the laws that I read. is Where the dangerous materials involved in... Um, it, if you have possession of these da- of dangerous materials where the probability of regulation is so great that anyone who is aware that he is in possession of them must be presumed to be aware of the regulation. So there's some chemicals. They say, well, these are so dangerous. If you have them, you probably are up to no good and you should know how to deal with them. And if you don't, then um, we're going to charge you with the crime. And what materials those are, how you go about it, they don't know. And they say the problem is that if you work for a company, your boss tells you to go drive a truck across the parking lot and there's those dangerous chemicals in it, you could be breaking a federal law. 
the EPA said that if it's a crime to knowingly make a false statement in a certification required by the regulations promulgated by the EPA. And those regulations in turn require the compliance with the permit requirements, which typically require the following of a discharge monitoring report. Uh, when I, I read that five times, and I read it just now again, and I still have no idea what it means. <laughs> but, but that's a federal law, and you can go to prison for breaking that law. And that lawyer went on to write, and he said, as a lawyer, it's difficult for him to understand what that law does or doesn't say, and, and there's even debate about it. So my point is, we probably all commit sins of ignorance in our country just because we don't know the laws. 5,000, that's a lot of laws to, to know and to not know and to avoid and to do. It's not like there are laws that everybody knows. So you can't go and rob a bank and then get arrested and say, well, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to rob a bank. You can't kill somebody and say, well, I didn't know or I forgot that I wasn't allowed to rob the bank. Um, you know, those are, you can't get away with that even in our land. Well, the Old Testament had a lot of laws to obey, but it was reasonable for them to know the laws and to understand them. So most Jewish scholars say that there's 613 Old Testament laws. That includes all the laws for the priests, who the priests can marry, what the priests are supposed to wear, and what the priests are supposed to do. So there's even less for just regular folk to, to know and to understand. Some of those laws are the Lord saying, you need to learn my law, and you need to teach your children, and you need to instruct your children from the earliest of ages what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. You're supposed to train them up to know the law of God. And so from the time that they could hear, God's people were supposed to tell their children the law. So that means the parents needed to know. And, and so it was their responsibility to know what God says and to know what they're to do and what they're not supposed to do. But even then, it was not only possible, but it was likely people would sin and not even realize it that they would sin in ignorance. And so this first set of sins is what the Lord is telling the people, um, that being ignorant of God's law is not an excuse uh, for sin. So these sins of ignorance is when somebody does something wrong and they don't know what's wrong. Sins with no ill intent. They're not rebellious sins. They're not high-handed sins. They're not willful sins. They just don't know any better. Um, they, didn't, they, don't know, they, they didn't know that they weren't supposed to do that. Or they might have gone and touched the, uh, you know, went in and, and tried to wake their, their buddy up out of a sleep, and he's dead. Well, if he touches him unawares, then he is ceremonially unclean. You touch the dead body and you're ceremonially unclean. Well, he didn't do that on purpose. He wasn't going around digging up dead bodies. He, he touched the dead body by, in ignorance, and he didn't know that he was doing that, but still ceremonially he was unclean. Or um, you know, the different types of, there's different scenarios, of course, where someone would sin in ignorance. But the fact still remains 
breaking God's law, whether you know it or not, you're still breaking God's law. I knew a man that believed that God didn't charge people with any sin that they didn't know were sins. He said, if you never, if you never knew the Ten Commandments, you'd never be liable to uh, God for any of the Ten Commandments. He said, you can only, he said, God would only charge you for a sin if you knew it. And I said, that's interesting. Does your church send out missionaries? He said, yeah, we send out lots of missionaries. I said, why? Why would you go and send missionaries out um, to, to places? He also said that if they didn't hear the gospel, they weren't responsible to obey it. And I said, well, why would you send missionaries? It'd be better off to let the people die in ignorance. And then that way they go to heaven, according to your logic. And then he he didn't know what to say, and we went to Leviticus, and I said, well, here's the sacrifice for, for sins and ignorance. Why did God require sacrifice if, uh, for sins of ignorance if he didn't hold people liable for breaking his laws? Of course, ignorance is no excuse. And besides that, we're guilty in Adam. That Adam was our representative, and he sinned, and we're all guilty in him, and, and uh, we're born in, at, with Adam's guilt as our own, and we're born sinners. And whether we have much light or little light, we still break God's law. Well, how could somebody sin in ignorance? Well, just our fallen nature. Adam and Eve, um, they were born with the desire to do only that which was good. So naturally, Adam and Eve would just do whatever was the right thing to do. They had that one tree to avoid, but everything else they would have done according to what God wanted them to do. Well, after the fall, we have a fallen human nature, and we want to do everything that is contrary to God. We don't want to love God. We don't want to worship God, so we want to do everything that is contrary to that. And so God, in His goodness, gives us His law so we can know what He wants from us and what will bring us happiness in Christ and what uh, will do us harm and what will be, bring dishonor unto God. But because we are in our fallen nature, we don't care about that. And uh, we, our consciences are ill-formed. And, and we, we don't desire lots of times to know and hold ourselves into strict conformity of, of God's Word. There's also a lack, just a lack of understanding and the knowledge of the Word of God. You and I can sin in ignorance just because we don't um, put ourselves, we don't dedicate ourselves, perhaps, to the study and knowing more of God. Um, sometimes people sin in ignorance just because they, they just kind of get into a, a stubborn attitude. And then they go off and they sin and not realize where their uh, life is, what direction their life is headed. There's three different categories of those sins of ignorance. It talked about, or four different rather, the priest could sin in ignorance. The whole congregation could sin in ignorance. The ruler of the people or like a judge or somebody. Then it says the common people or just regular everyday people um, that didn't have a, a, a particular task in the, in the nation of Israel. And if you read those... Um, if you read, it starts out the cost for the priest's sin was, was much more than if one of the common people sinned. Or the sacrifice was much greater for the ruler to sin than if it was for one of 
just the regular people or the people without a position of authority to sin. Why is that? Because, first of all, the priest should have known better. If anybody's going to know the word, it should be the man whose life is dedicated to the word. And so um, that is more of a costly sin because those who um, live in the word, if they are sinning in ignorance, well, people are watching them and they're going to follow right after them. Or those who are the judges who sin in ignorance, their, their sins have consequences. Same with the, the, the whole congregation. I think the application here, though, is all have sinned. All have sinned. And we need to, um, we need to put our hearts to the, the knowledge of the Word of God. You don't get mystical inside just because you're in authority. Even those who have, whose job it is to know the Word of God still um, were prone to sin and ignorance. Even people who should know better sometimes don't know better. So if we think about it in terms of uh, the New Testament, um, no, no man is perfect. No preacher is perfect. No pastor is perfect. Um, no person knows it all. No person has the wisdom to see it all. Sometimes we can sin in ignorance simply because we don't, um, we don't apply wisdom. And making bad choices because we don't apply the wisdom that God has given us, and so we ended up sinning through the ignorance of of the of the word of God. So no one person is perfect, no matter where they are, no matter what office they may hold. No congregation is perfect. So there was a sin of ignorance for the whole congregation. So the whole nation of Israel. And we know the nation made many, many mistakes, many sins. But there was a, a congregational offering for ignorance. So, um, you know, a church can make a bad decision just like an individual can. Now, that's the one bad thing about uh, populism. You say, well, the majority rules. Well, sometimes the majority is wrong. And so a majority can be just as wrong as a minority can. And a majority can be just as ignorant as a minority can. And then it says, the common people just were, that's just people who don't have a particular office. They weren't kings or rulers or judges or elders. But just because they didn't have an office didn't mean that they were any less liable to know God's word. So all God's people need to know God's word and need to know what pleases the Lord and what displeases him. And so for this, there is a sin offering. For this, God provides a way for the forgiveness of sins. Isn't God gracious to us that he has these laws for us and then we break his laws and don't even know them. And we just go about our life thinking all is well and, and, and commit sins unknowingly. And yet God is gracious to us and God is merciful to his people and provides forgiveness of these sins. There are other sins that need this purification offering. Chapter 5 deals with those sins of carelessness. And instead of dividing by priest and ruler and congregation, and just instead of dividing by people, groups, it's divided by economic means. 
Because in chapter 5, if you read through there, the, there's different offerings that are that you're eligible for, but it's dependent on what kind of resources that you have. And so if you're too poor to pay for a bull, you, you know, you got the, the lesser offering. And if you can't pray, pay with the animal, then you can pay with flour and so forth. So the, there was an offering ready for, for anyone who needed it, whatever the price may be. <clears throat> well, these chapter 5, these reparation offerings shows the, the deceitfulness of sin, really. So it says in chapter 5, verse number 1, if, if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing is a witness, whether he has seen it or known it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. So that's why in Matthew 26, whenever Jesus was adjured to, uh, to give testimony, he was silent before uh, the priest they kept asking him, and no one he wouldn't he wouldn't answer. But then in Matthew twenty six sixty three says Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said, I adjure you thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So this is Jesus answered him at that time because that was the law. If he was a witness and he was adjured to, to and the priest swore that he must know whether he has seen it or know it. And it says if the witness doesn't utter the testimony, then he'd be guilty. And so the high priest sw- compels him by swearing to the Lord that he testify whether he knows these things or so. And so, Jesus, ever faithful to the law, ever obeying the law, answers the question. And so, this kind of sin could just be a sin of, of carelessness or not being, being careful about the situation. So if you, you know, the guy might be on trial for something or a judge asks a question and and you get flustered and you, you just don't know how to answer it and and you're you know you might be thinking well I don't want to uh, I don't want to get my neighbor in trouble I don't want him to suffer consequences and and I don't know what to do I don't know what to say and you get flustered and don't answer well that they should have answered but that's a, a sin of carelessness just not ready to to do what is right Verse number two, or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of unclean cattle or the carcass of unclean creeping thing, and it be hidden from him, he shall also be unclean and guilty. Just another sin of carelessness. You're out walking around, just minding your own business, minds wandering, just walking out through the woods, and there you see an animal laying down and and you think, oh, well, I wonder what got that animal. And you reach down and, and, and lean on it and, and look around. Well, that was just being careless. You're, they weren't supposed to do that. But, but because they weren't careful, then they, they committed this sin. They weren't thinking. They weren't looking at everything through the lens of Scripture and saying, well, how would God have me to handle this situation? 
Well, that doesn't seem like a very big situation, is it? That's just something that you might come across any ordinary day. But really, the point is that we should live every moment to glorify our Lord. We can't separate our lives and say, okay, it's Sunday, so now I'm going to be in church mode, but Saturday is me day, and I'm going to be in me mode, and I'm just going to live however I want to because, you know, this is my day. No, in everything we do, we live for the glory of God. We're always God's children. We always love, uh, are to live with the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and live for His honor and His glory and, and be careful. Be careful in what we do and what we, what we watch and what we listen to and, and be careful that we don't fall into sin just being careless and not thinking. Or, um, it says in verse 3, if you touch the uncleanness of man, or whatsoever uncleanness that be from a man defiled without, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. So here's a situation where um, the man, somebody's unclean, you know, they might have leprosy or something, and they, they go and touch him, but they don't, they don't know that. That's the carelessness on the other man's fault. But once he learns of it, he says, okay, well now... I, I'm unclean ceremonially. Verse 4, If a soul swear pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him. When he knoweth it, then he shall be guilty of one of these. So that's just rashly or carelessly uttering a vow. Remember Jephthah in the Old Testament where um, he said that... You know, he made a vow that he had offered to the Lord the first thing that came to him and it ended up being his daughter. That was rash. That was a, a careless uttering, a careless vow. So he was, he was guilty of swearing and pronouncing with his lips um, whether to do evil or to do good. He was careless with that. And just careless with his words and careless with what he said he was going to do. Careless with, with swearing to God, even if it was a good thing. What we have to remember is sin is the transgression of the law. And it doesn't matter what we think about the law, what well, it kind of does, but, but it doesn't matter whether we think it's, it's a big deal or not, I guess I should say. It doesn't matter if we might categorize something as a lesser thing. Sin is the transgression of the law. You might say, well, murder is really bad, but, but this sin over here, that's not so bad, and everybody does this, and it, it, it's fine. We have a lot of that in our nation right now where people are saying that what God calls an abomination is a good thing. And so because love, it's love. Everybody loves one another. And as long as people love it, what, what does it matter? Well, sin is the transgression of the law. And it doesn't matter how much you like that sin or how much you love that sin or, or whether everybody in the country says that sin is a good thing. Sin is the transgression of the law. 
And you might say, well, it's not that big a deal to touch an unclean animal. Sin is transgression of the law. Well, I was flustered whenever the, the judge asked me that question, and, and I didn't mean to, to say the wrong thing, but I did. Sin is transgression of the law. And we all have blind spots, but it's good that God shows us our sins. And so here we have these sins that have been committed. And it's not like the person is just a rebel. Says, I don't care what God has to say. I don't care if God tells me to do that. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what the Lord says. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm just not going to do it. I had a family member one time that was confronted about something. And they said, I don't care what the Bible says. I like this. I like to do this. And I'm going to just keep on doing it. I don't care what the Bible says. Well, um, that sin is a transgression of the law, what God says. And it's good when God shows us and gives us light. That way we can know how we walk with fellowship in him. With him. Verse 5 says, And it shall be when he is guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. So what do we do whenever we see that we have done this thing? When we realize I wasn't very careful and I broke God's law and I did what I wasn't supposed to. I didn't rob somebody. I didn't do the I didn't do something that would get me disciplined in the church, but I I didn't do what was right. Well, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to confess. Because I tell you what will happen is if you don't confess, then you're going to sear your conscience. And it's going to get easier to break those little, quote-unquote, little things. It's going to get easier to walk farther and farther away from the Lord. It's going to get easier to walk in darkness rather than walking in light with fellowship. And then pretty soon those, those little sins are going to turn into to big sins and to more sins. And so it is a dangerous path. So what the Lord does here in his graciousness says, you commit these sins of carelessness, well, I need you, you confess. Confess that you did the thing. Confess that you sinned. Not to the priest, you confess to God. Really, confession is just agreeing with God that we're guilty. Knowing that we're guilty and being guilty is two different things, right? Because these sins are for people who are guilty, but they didn't know it. God knows they're guilty, but they just didn't know they were guilty. I've been like that. You've been like that. We're guilty. We just didn't realize it. We just didn't know it for whatever reason. Well, then God in his graciousness shows us that we're not walking the way we ought to walk. And God in his graciousness shows us that we have, we've sinned against him. Well, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to confess. Confess our sins. God already knows that we've sinned. Confessing is just agreeing with God that we, we are guilty. 
It's agreeing with God's judgment of us. That's what David did in Psalm 51.4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. David said, I am guilty. And you said that I'm guilty, Lord, and you are justified by saying so. You were right. I agree with your charges. You said I've broke your law. I agree with that. I have. Guilty as charged. Confession doesn't make you guilty or it doesn't clue you in. It doesn't clue God in on the sin. I think it can be possible that somebody says, well, I don't want to confess to God. Then God will know that I sinned. I don't want to confess to God because then the Lord will know what, what I'm doing. Really, in reality, we don't want to confess because then we don't want to. Then that takes away our plea of ignorance. It takes away that in our conscience, in our mind, that we're doing not we're not doing what we ought to be doing. But confession is good. Being convicted of wrongdoing is a good thing. That's a good work of the Holy Spirit because First John one nine said, "If we confess our sins." He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The wonderful thing about the gospel of Christ is for you and I who are saved that we are in Christ. And when we do wrong, we don't have to hide our sins. We don't have to hide from God. God says, confess them to me. Confess them to me and you'll find pardon. Confess them to me and you'll find Forgiveness and, and your, your conscience can be cleansed. We don't lose our salvation, but, but that hurts our fellowship. It hurts our fellowship with the Lord because we're not walking with him. We're walking in the opposite direction. But whenever the Lord graciously shows us that, we can, we can be closer to the Lord. And, and in his, um, and walking with him. So these sin offerings were, were good things for God's people, that they can be walking in fellowship with God. That's what these offerings were for, uh, for to cleanse, to purify, that they could worship and walk in the ways of the Lord again. Those, there's atonement made for those sins. And there's forgiveness. And that's something else that you see. There's forgiveness of sins no matter how much time has passed. Because some of these sins, it's whenever the person realizes it, then they have to go and make the offering. So, um, verse, let's see, is verse uh, 4. Whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath and to be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be the guilty in one of these things. So, no matter how much time passes, from the point that we've sinned to the point that God has shown us that. There's forgiveness of those sins. There was, sin, there was a big offering if you could afford it. All the way down to turtle doves if you couldn't afford it. And that reminds us that there's forgiveness of sins no matter who you are. Rich or poor. Big or small. Young or old. There's forgiveness of sins for, for all those who come to the Lord for forgiveness. There's forgiveness of sins even if you don't feel that it's a big deal. Even if nobody else knows about it by God, there's forgiveness of sins. 
Sometimes you might grow up in a Christian home and and you don't go out and do all the wild things that maybe other kids do, but but you're still a sinner and you know you're a sinner and God knows you're a sinner. Well, there's forgiveness even for those. Even for those who um, are, are decent at hiding them from other people. And maybe not a big deal to people out in the world, but, but for one convicted of that sin, it, it's a big deal to them. Well, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness for sins we find here. <clears throat> well, sometimes the people of Israel, sometimes whenever we sinned, just like the people of Israel, it was an offense to God, but it also impacted everybody else. Many times, sins don't just hurt one person, but they hurt everybody in that community. So if... If uh, you know, if if I commit a sin, that a big a public sin that hurts me, but it hurts the church, it hurts you all. If a politician sins, that hurts not only him, but it hurts his family and it hurts the people that he is um, has authority over. If someone goes and robs a store. And that store can't make up the loss, then they have to close the store down. Well, that hurts everybody in that community. Right? So some it's very rare that a sin will just stay right with the person. Some oftentimes it spreads. When the end of chapter five and into chapter six, uh, the Lord says that there are reparations that, that are made to make things right. And so they would make the offering for the sin. And then there'd be an estimation of the the charge against them. And then they would add a fifth amount to that restoration to, to pay it back. And so, if you sinned against somebody and they lost because of that, sorry isn't good enough is what the Lord is saying here. Sorry isn't good enough um, because that person that you sin against has, has lost out. There has to be reparation, reparation made. It has to be made right. Because sin hurts other people. So if, if someone goes and steals your car and then wrecks it and totals it, them going to jail doesn't help you get to work in the morning because you don't have a vehicle, does it? Well, what the, what the Bible says is, yes, you're going to pay for the crime, but you're also going to pay for what you ruined. You're going to pay back and restore uh, what you took away from them. Man, you're just not going to restore equal. You're going to give them a little bit more because of the, of the, the suffering that you, you put them through. You're going to make it right. And so the principle here, I believe, is that not only should we be tender in our conscience about sinning against God, but about sinning against others. And when we do so, make it right if possible. 
Now, sometimes you can't make it right. Sometimes you can't go back and change what has been broken. But we should seek to restore, if possible, the things that we've broken and destroyed. Asking forgiveness or seeking to restore back is good, is for the good of the community. That's why, for example, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, here's a, a principle of this, that part of the restoration wasn't financial, but this was just going into restoring the relationship of somebody that had, that had sinned. So Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother has art against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, Go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gifts. Agree with thy adversary quickly while thou art in the way of him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So, not only should we ask God for forgiveness, but we should also ask our brothers and sisters, for forgiveness if we've sinned against them. Because not only is the fellowship, you need to restore the fellowship uh, between you and the Lord, not your salvation, but just but, but to, to get to where you are in good fellowship with the Lord and, and walking in the light and being cleansed um, of, of your sin and your conscience, but with your brother and sister too to restore the damage that is um, occurred with, with your brothers and sisters. Alan Rawls said, Agonies of conscience and lack of peace may lie in their not having made things right when they could have. For no one can have peace of conscience while living in dishonesty. Making reparation is a healing thing to do, though it's desperately hard to begin. And so that's what these sin offerings were for, not only to, to cleanse from the sin, but to restore what was broken. So what can we say about these things? Well, number one, sin is costly. Every one of these sacrifices were costly to the individual. It cost, first it cost the animal his life, but you know it cost the owner the price of the animal. Sin will cost us. These are the children of God here. These are saved people, but sin cost them. It was much better not to sin at all and not to, to offer these sacrifices, but, but there's a costly nature in this life to sin. Sin is harmful to us. It's harmful to other people. There's no joy in sin. John, 1 John says that he wants us to have our joy full. Jesus says he wants us to have our joy full. And how does he do that? By keeping the commandments. Not to have our salvation, but to have joy. But when we don't follow Jesus, we harm ourselves, we harm others, we harm our joy, we harm our, um, our, our worship. It's just destructive. It's better for God's people not to sin. We also see that sin is deceitful. We can sin in ignorance. Not all people when they sin, have evil intentions. What I mean is sometimes someone might sin against us unawares. So we can be charitable to people who we love and not always suspect sinister motives. 
I've been in situations you have too where somebody is, has made a joke about something and the person sitting there in the room had been affected by whatever the joke was and they took it as a personal slight. They thought that they were making fun of them. Well, this person had no idea what the situation is. Right? And they come in and just start laughing about you know, some other thing, but the person took it personally. Well, they, in turn, said that person was attacking me. And that they, they applied evil intentions when it was just ignorance. Sin is deceitful. And so if we're sinned against, we can remember that, well, maybe it was a sin of ignorance. Maybe there was no evil intention done. So we can be gracious in that regard and, and understand with ourselves that sin is deceitful for ourselves. Also, there's just no hope in the flesh. You think of all those laws. Now, 600 is a lot less than 5,000, but 600 is still a lot. All those laws, and they had to keep them perfectly. Well, there's no hope in the flesh, is there? But there is hope in Christ. Because Christ fulfilled every one of those laws and kept those laws for us. I'm glad that I don't have to keep these laws because Jesus kept them for us. What a perfect Savior that we have. And his active obedience was given to us so we might have his righteousness. And the last thing here, um, I'm just going to read a phrase from a few verses. Leviticus 4.2 said, If a soul shall sin through ignorance. Leviticus 5.1, If a soul sin. Leviticus 5.15, If a soul commits trespass. Leviticus 6.2, If a soul sin. And then after that, Every time, here's the sacrifice, here's the offering. Well, it reminded me of 1 John, where it says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, I wondered if, if that was the phrase that he was thinking of. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Have you sinned? Have you sinned, commit, committed sins of ignorance? Have you committed uh, sins of carelessness. Well, if any man sin, we have a lawyer with, in, in Jesus. We have an advocate. Have you committed sins that need reparation? Well, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If any man sin, we have one in Christ who is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. There's forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus the Lord. I pray the Lord is blessed.